Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hello there, folks. Welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your host, Joe Lou, and today I'm joined by Pastor Lydia, who is the co-founder here at 180 Church, pastor of Transformation and wife to Dr. Sammy. And today we're continuing our series on the vision of our church and for the ecclesia in general. And uh, Dr. Sammy was speaking a little bit about how it's important that we remember those that are marginalized. We live in a time where, you know, one of the scariest things for us is the economic and social disparity between classes and how how painful and hurtful it might feel to be pushed out onto the borders. But the gospel has always championed those that have been on the fringes, that are on the margins, and have always stood there for those people that may have been forgotten. And the call for us and the call to action for us as believers is also how we can join in on remembering and reaching out to those that may be on the fringes of your life or maybe on the margins of our society and to really put our intentionality to meet the action behind it. And so um, let's tune into this sermon. Here's Dr. Sammy. Today's scripture is from John chapter 4, verses 1 to 35. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, was tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. 
Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, "What do you want?" or "Why are you talking with her?" Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, "Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah?" They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, "Rabbi, eat something." But he said to them, "I have food to eat that you know nothing about." Then his disciples said to each other, "Could someone have brought him food? My food," said Jesus, "is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work." Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. So let's put this picture up. So it's been a historic week at the Oscars. How many people watch the Oscars? Yes, yes. And this gets self-serving, but um, it wasn't a historic week for me because a Korean, someone from Seoul. I'm from Seoul myself. I was born there. Um, and it wasn't because, you know, the best picture and the best director was Korean in any sense. And pretty much, he looks just like my brother. I'm not even kidding. They look identical, except he's way more successful, even though my brother is pretty successful as well. Um, or the fact that the crew members all look like the people I grew up with at church. You know, I mean, they just sort of... In Korean, we, we call them ajashis, if you watch Korean dramas. I mean, it's just like, what are these bunch of ajashis and ajamas doing on a stage of the Oscars? And uh, I think what resonated globally in the Academy, they finally got it right, was that this parasite, the movie, what it really, it hit a nerve globally. And what it really did was it, it spoke to this riotous social class divide, this social satire that is creating this new income divide and disparity within the world in parasites about the income class difference in Korea. And this income class difference exists everywhere in the world. And the film addressed in essence, those who've been forgotten. Right before this, we've we seen the film that didn't win, the most underrepresented class, which was the Crazy Rich Asians, which I found someone in our church attending our church actually was in the film recently. Pretty cool. But this film shows you and why it hit such a deep center morally. And it woke, really awoken the moral consciousness of what people feel, the dissonance people feel, all over the world. Because sometimes you are divided by your income. How many people feel that pressure in New York? Raise your hand if you feel that pressure. The income class difference, right? The how you feel about the growing disparity in the world. And in many sense, folks, if you want a vision of the gospel, 
The gospel is for those, and, and it's always been historically. It's, Christianity began with the forgotten ones. The revolution began with peasants, with those who were in the shadows. Jesus himself was a refugee who had to escape from a mad king to Egypt. He was a migrant himself. And so the gospel works and speaks into the shadows where people live. And, I'm not, and I don't want Jenny to blame me, blast me in IG. I'm not going to give away. If you haven't watched Parasite, please do. It's a Christian sin not to now. Okay? You're a sinner, but you're going to be redeemed by grace. But I'm not going to speak about the narrative because people blame me on IG. They tag me. You, you know, you gave away Avengers. It's not my fault you didn't watch it three months afterwards. Or maybe a month afterwards. I'm not going to give spoilers away, but please watch it. Um, it's, it speaks into that. But, but today I want to talk about the vision, how that, that aligns to the vision of the gospel, how, how God, how we can join God, rescue those who have been forgotten. And that includes, you know, what, the things I've written about, refugees and, and DACA recipients and the immigrants in this country. And in, in, recently the Trump administration um, changed the rule of law where you can't apply for green cards if, if you've been applied for food stamps or any kind of public assistance. So now we're trying to marginalize the marginalized. Now we're, we're not attacking legal immigrants. Now we're attacking legal immigrants, illegal to legal immigrants. So the, the people who've been forgotten, and for those of many of you in this room that have privilege like no one else does, attending the best schools in the world, I want you to know that the gospel is not about just our prosperity or our flourishing. It always focuses back on what? Tell someone actually the forgotten. forgotten. Tell someone again, the forgotten. the forgotten. Have you ever felt forgotten before? Raise your hand if you ever felt forgotten before. No, you get, you're too awesome. You've never been forgotten before. <laughs> you know what's painful? When the people who love you forget you. Or leave you. My wife did that to me once. <laughs> it was about a decade ago. It was the beginning season of our church. You know, we had about 20 people. After a meeting, a prayer meeting, we all decided to go to Thai food in Jersey. There was only three cars. And we all decided we're going to all go into one of those cars. And my wife said, I'll see you outside. And I just went to the bathroom for a minute. <laughs> Smiling, I was really hungry. <clears throat> I thought I did a good job. And then, you know, it was one of those moments, like, like, maybe it was rainy in my mind, but it was dark and eerie. And all the cars were gone. I looked at my phone. <laughs> this is like 2001, when the phones looked like tire size, like, no missed calls. No text from the wife. An hour later, my wife says, where are you? I hate you. <laughs> but you know, I felt forgotten. And it's a terrible feeling to be forgotten, isn't it? But sometimes that happens to everyone. A sickness study recently uh, based their study on the UCA, UCLA scale of loneliness, said that almost half 
of our country, based on 20,000 respondents that did this study, felt left out or forgotten. And over half of people in our country, which is about 150 million people, do not have one significant meaningful interaction in their lives. See, folks, as a community, I talk about you flourishing, right? Kago, you flourishing, Ro, you flourishing, right? You're like, yeah. But just like last week, remember, our, our centerpiece, our foundation is based on the integrity that we remember everyone. And folks, right now in our country, the richer are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. The disparity is growing. The moral consciousness of our country and the church is not determined by how we treat, how well we treat people of power or of influence. Our character is tested how we treat the poorest of poor and those in the shadows. And right now, it's getting worse than ever before for those in the margins. And if our heart doesn't break, and our heart, for, for those of you, great, you're getting married, you're, you're getting engaged, you're moving up in social class ladders, but if you at the center don't remember that the gospel is about the least of these, and you, you've forgotten the whole idea of the gospel, why Jesus came. He came for the poor in spirit, poor materially. He said that he came to bind up the brokenhearted. And so today I want to talk to you about how we can join God, rescue those who've been forgotten. Amen? So let's turn to this passage. So we read it in Scripture response time, a story of a woman who has, who's living with a sixth man who's been married five times but had five failed marriages. Have you ever hated yourself for doing something stupid in your life? Where you just wanted to crawl under a hole and never come out? Where you felt self-hatred for yourself? What happens when you feel like your life is not planning out the way it should? How many people ever felt like that before where your life is not where it should? Raise your hand. Right? I mean, you're like, well, I'm good now. You know, I'm dating and I'm engaged. I'm about to get married. Good for you, man. <laughs> but there are times in, in our narrative, in, in, the arch of our, in the arc of our story, where um, we were lost. And we made mistakes. And we thought we would be here, but we're here. Based on historical empirical studies over 30 years, you know why people never finish something they start? It's not because they don't have the will or the intellect to do it. They feel like they messed up too much. They got a bad start. A lot of people struggle with perfectionism. And so when you struggle with this idea in your head about your life and it does, you don't hit those goals, you just basically give up. I'm not going to do any. I'm not going to go to gym again. Why not just have this Chinese food? Why not have two? Why not have, why have two slices? Why not have four? You know what? I'm just going to have the whole pie. I didn't go to the gym yesterday. Oh, well. Ice cream. Perfectionism is why people are sabotaged in finishing something. Half of people who start doctor programs don't finish. It's because they feel pressure about what they should write. What people don't know about doctor programs and all you who are going to do doctor programs, let me just tell you this, okay? It's that thing's going to be edited 800 times by your thesis advisor and the formatting committee. The formatting committee are tyrants. If you have one comma misplaced in a dissertation, 
they tell you to fix it. I spent more time with the format committee than my advisor. I hated them so much. So if you think you're gonna, you're gonna write something perfect, eloquent, or profound, you're not. You're gonna have to edit it 80 times. Life is all about editing. You know if you look at the homeless people in the street, right outside Union Square, most of them have master's degrees? You're like, no. They're probably all poor and didn't go to high school? No, you, they did a study. A lot of people still have a leather suitcase still from Bear Stearns before it's collapsed, from Lehman, from people that have MBAs, people who made millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of dollars. But when something happened to them and they felt like they could not face their family, they just said, I can't go home. And they haven't gotten home, gone home for a decade or so. It's not people don't have home, they can't go. So how do we rescue, join God, rescue those who've been forgotten? just like this woman in this passage. So we read up to verse 26. Let's read verse 27. Just then, his disciples returned. Read that with me. Were what? They were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town, made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged them, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you, do n- you know nothing about. Tell someone next, you know nothing. This is us in the church. Hmm. Did he get some food from someone? And the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? We're pretty fast from that McDonald's down the street. So Mary has a lot of those. Jesus said, my food, said Jesus, is to, the, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. So why is Jesus talking to this woman in Samaria? Who is buried in self-despair, shame, and in social isolation. That's why it's... She's drawing water at noon in the Middle East. Doesn't make any sense. Anybody here do that when you struggle in your life? Don't return calls. Don't text anyone. Don't want to go out. You just want to be by yourself because you don't feel right. And you only go out in achievement and when you feel good. You isolate yourself. You have a propensity to isolate yourself when you're struggling. Uh, you guys don't do that. Yeah, you do. That's what she was doing. So why does Jesus go out of his way to go to Samaria to meet this woman? Because he remembered. He remembered her. Tell someone next to you the word remember. You know the Bible says, do not forget what the Lord God has done in your life. Forgetfulness, that, that nuance, that area of how we forget, we, we could think, for those of you who are, getting, who are getting, men who are getting married, there are two of you so far. I'm hoping for some more this year. Now, you can say, hey, I'm thinking of taking my fiance or my girlfriend to somewhere really nice and never do it. There's a difference between 
recalling or imagining and actually doing it. So this week, go do it. Actually do it. Because the power of remembering is action-packed. Or you'll forget. So why did Jesus go all this way? Because even though she's been forgotten, and, and a part of her wants to be forgotten, Jesus saw her and remembered her. That's powerful. Sometimes when we're busy with our lives and we're flourishing in our lives, we're dating and but preparing for marriage, we're engaged, we're going to grad school, we get caught up in investing into our own lives and we forget in the cracks. People that have been there for us, or people that's been important to us, but we haven't seen them for a while. Jesus remembers her. One time my wife, much like this passage, I said, honey, what do you want to get for lunch? She goes, I can't have lunch with you today. I said, why not? She goes, I'm going somewhere. I said, where are you going? Oh, you know, God just brought to mind someone that's you know, not been here for a while in our community. Okay, get lunch by myself then. I'm like, the, I'm, I'm like the disciples. Where should we eat? Where should we drink? My wife's like, my food is to the will of the Father who sent me. <laughs> She's like a line to the Father. She's thinking of God's daily bread. I'm thinking just of bread. <laughs> And she's like, okay. And she goes to her workplace and just doesn't call, doesn't text, just shows up. She goes, hey. And the person's like, oh, oh P. Lid, what are you doing here? I was just in a neighborhood. And, you know, they start talking. Next thing you know, she's back in the community. You know, you know what I learned through this story? Sometimes people get lost in their own thoughts, in their own life. And sometimes they do thinking about coming back to church or coming back to faith or co- join community. But something blocks them from it. A lot of us don't understand the power of remembering. Because if once you remember, if you read this passage carefully, she went from a life of complete social isolation to meaningful relationship and joined community again just because Jesus went to her and remembered. For those of you who don't know this person and the pharmacy that my wife visited Walgreens that day about two and a half years ago is this person, Starbath. Could she have imagined in her place in, in Walgreens two and a half years ago that she'd be getting married next week? <laughs> oh, no, not next week, sorry. The invitation was sent just like two weeks ago. But they're getting married like in three, well, a couple of weeks, basically. Um, could she have imagined that she would meet the love of her life, Andrew Rowe? Look at this picture. In California, the observatory in California, he looks much younger in this picture. <laughs> Now he understands what it means to prepare for marriage and go to premarital and, whoa. He looks really like 10 years younger here, actually. Star looks, Star looks like she's exfoliating. She looks great. 
But Ro, what's going on with you here? No. <laughs> this is the man she fell in love with. I don't know who's now I'm kidding. I'm j I'm, I mean, I mean, like, did she imagine the life that would unfold in just a few months? Because someone remembered her? Her trajectory completely changed. Her whole life changed in those few seconds. What if I said to my wife, hey, forget that. I want to go to Urban Griddle. Well, I wouldn't even know Urban Griddle started to come back. She's the one that told me about it. Praise the Lord for that. But I'm making my wife look too good. I'm making myself look really bad. But, but this is the whole point, right? Just remembering someone that was forgotten changed her whole life. Like Jesus remembered her. Went out of his way. And the gospel at the center of it really at the epicenter, at the central core, is remembering those who've been forgotten, been discarded. What if? Tell someone next to you, what if? This could happen to your friends. I mean, marriages are happening every year at 180. You never know. Just like the lottery, you know, the New York lottery? You have a higher chance at 180. You never know. You never know, really. Right, Ro? <laughs> Ro, are you crying? Okay. <laughs> you look really young. No. Um, I mean, seriously, I pray that the Holy Spirit this year will, would propel you to join him to rescue those who've been forgotten and to see the life change. And then when we go to this wedding, I'm writing these homilies and these jokes that are going to be great. Because for, the, for these two to get together, trust me, a community was necessary. A village. It took a village. really did. And to hear more, we'll see you there. Now, I pray the Spirit of God will show you some faces today. Face, faces this week in your mind about the people who have been forgotten. Who need the Lord. Who are in isolation. And you know what? <laughs> I know sometimes we can get angry people at isolation, and we can get angry, like, hey, why don't you get your act together like me, when, like, five years ago, you were just there. Amen? Don't be self-righteous now. And, and um, you know, we got, we got to remember that people get lost sometimes. That's what the whole community of the Ecclesia is about, people getting lost and help, of us helping finding them. And when we get lost, they help find us back to the Lord. So this, I pray that the Spirit of God will show you those people today. So let's move down. So, of course, the disciples, like many of us, and like I was with my wife in that conversation about lunch, sometimes we get caught up in our own life and um, our own needs, and we forget those who already been forgotten by society, discarded. And so, look what Jesus' response to this is. Verse 27 again. Just as his disciples returned, were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or what are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the community. Right? And Jesus talks about, let's see. Okay, this is not the passage. But, okay, I'll share with you. Jesus says, 
The harvest is plentiful, right? But the workers are few. Look at the harvest. It's ripe. What does he, what does he mean to, to talking to the disciples like, like Jesus is talking to us today about people who have been forgotten? Jesus is saying there, there are so many people that my Father is longing to have back with me. And I'm already working in their lives. Right? Just it's like 180. 180 is growth. Like I, I said, it's been an algorithm by Google. People have been searching for churches, and they found us. And then when I saw that the algorithm was outpacing those who we invited personally, I was like, something is going on. God is working in people's lives already. We don't get any of the credit. And that's what Jesus is saying to the disciples. I, I, God, my Father is already working. Will you join him? Will you join him? Every year at 180, we created about, I don't know, numerous years ago, we created fellowship. The whole idea of 180 fellowship is we wanted to give a home for those who are away from home at NYU and in colleges. And, and one of the things that we do every year is, and Peeves really took this and made it something cool. He loves promoting things. If he wasn't a pastor, he'd probably be a club promoter. <laughs> like it's right in the thin line of paganism and Christianity, but I mean, he'd probably be a club promoter. That's what he like. He gets really excited about these events, and he's done a great job. And we every year, you know, the beginning of the year, we do we feed a whole bunch of poor college students a feast at Spot Dessert Bar. I don't think even Spot gives us a discount. Do they give us a discount? They better. No. <laughs> no. And, and let, me, let me just say, the whole idea of fellowship is to fellowship with those who are away from home. That's why it's called 180 Fellowship. We want to really have a, a place of hospitality. We want to have a place of homeness to people who are far from home. But it costs a lot of money to pay table. I think this year we had like 60 people come. Packed spot dessert bar. Took all the three tables. You know, why, you know one time I remember Peeves began this when Zuri, the only person that came was Zuri a few years ago. But now look, she's greeting people, right? Like, look at that. Power, power of fellowship. Everybody wave to Zuri. Zuri, hey, Zuri, thank you. Thank you, Zuri. No, I mean, but look at this. Look at this. And then Peeves asked me one time, and we're spending a lot of money here. What if it's not successful? I said, well, based on precedent, probably not going to be. <laughs> but we don't do it to be successful, right? If you want to give people value in the city, then why do we do these desserts? Why, why, it costs a lot of money, right? Why do we do it? Because we're, we're giving value where people need it. Food, dessert. There's nothing controversial about dessert in this political environment. No one is talking about, no, I don't like chocolate. If you don't like chocolate, you need help. You need serious help. Right? That's, that's, not, that's not an opinion. That's empirical fact. But we do it because we want to, we know the harvest is plentiful, like Jesus says. We're, we're casting our nets. And in, in 180, in our church, our community, I mean, we have, and I've said this a few times, we have one, in the count of my hand, there's not churches that are millennials, that are self-sustaining. In our church, we have people, core people that have been here over a decade, that are the most generous people based on statistics. 
It says that only 5% of the United States tithes. Everyone that's Christian in the church. Out of 256 million people that consider themselves with Christian affiliation, only half a percent of that tithe. Now, of course, there's in that variation, there's about 50% that give less than 10% and give within like 5% that do that. But in our community, I am so proud of so many young people in our church. We have a 90% tithing rate. When the historical average in the United States is 5%. How can we do, how can we give to fellowship a budget that we don't have? We couldn't do that a long time ago, but because those of you in this room and many of the people down here that are working in, in, in healthcare or whatever are the ones that are giving to that. They believe in the vision of God's community. Can we give a hand to everyone here right now? I mean, you guys are 90%. 90%. You know? Like, we didn't have to be like when Henry was like, you know, my wife is pregnant. We go, oh, man, we don't have health insurance. We didn't have to do that. We had it. We don't have to worry about that. Dental care, we have it. Why? Because the people in this room believe those who've been forgotten. I mean, I'm so proud of our community that you are doing what Jesus asked you to do. You're doing the mission of God. And because we can cast our nets and because we can sow and reap, I remember that night when we did spot in another spot, someone else came. Sully came. Our very talented Teen Vogue written fashion designer from Indonesia. And she was there accidentally, like she was just at that spot. <laughs> Prophetic, of course, but she just like, I'm just at this spot. I guess it's called spot. No pun intended, but I mean, it, it was a pr prophetic parallel. And little did we know that her family is Buddhist, but God was already working in her life. Even though they're Buddhist, they went to a Christian school. They sent her to a Christian school, which if you see her baptism video, she goes, I did really well. <laughs> like, the best. <laughs> She's basically in deciphering, I'm valedictorian to my class. I'm like, wow, very humble Asian person. I mean, but then we have a lot of those people at our church because Joey, when she was baptized, she goes, you know, I didn't really study that hard. I just went to Cornell. <laughs> so, I mean, I was like, wow. She doesn't even study at all. She went to Cornell. <laughs> no study. We have a lot of humble people at our church. It's like me <laughs> in our church. Law of magnetism, I guess, right? But, but I remember the day that Sally was baptized. Let's put this picture up here. Community, a village surrounding her. It all started with chocolate, people. Green tea, lava, whatever it's called. Uh, one of the things I like about Spot is I get stuff for free when I go there. Never have to pay. Now, but besides, that's beside the point. But when you look at this picture of our community, um, a village surrounded Sally, of the story that God began in her life in high school, attending a Christian school from a Buddhist background, and then God knowing in foreknowledge that God would send her to NYU and meet all of you. Now, Sally is so in love with you all, she decided to stay in New York. 
Making a job at NYU. Look at that. Let's give God a hand for that, right? I mean, and here's the rate at every, every pastor talks to me and says, Sam, every four years, everybody in my congregation is gone, right? They're moving to Silicon Valley. They're moving to Seattle. No one is here. So he goes, I, they go, I don't even prepare many messages. I just rotate them now because they're all new. Too bad I can't do that. Like, they'll write a new sermon every week. Because you people don't want to leave. Go somewhere else. No, no. I mean, that's the power of community, though. I mean, could we be a compelling community that Jesus envisioned where we don't forget those people in the margins or the cracks and we help people find him again? That's what you are doing in this community, folks. You should be proud of what God is doing through you. For all of those of you that are busy giving generously, all those of you who sacrificed your time, all those of you, this, even now preparing for Good Friday service where Sully actually met the Lord in a powerful way. How many people here are working on Good Friday service right now? Will you stand with me? Will you stand real quick if you're working on Good Friday service? Let's give them a hand, guys. Let's give them a hand. Yeah. yeah. Oscar for you, Justin. And for you, Henry. You know, he did say he wanted to break up into five pieces and give it to everybody. I mean, I mean, folks. This woman saw a vision of community in Jesus that changed her life. That's the vision that we have for our community. We want to become a community that joins God, restores the beauty in all things, where life is shared and celebrated. And yes, we're imperfect. We're going to get into fights and conflicts. That's happened. But that's okay. In the end, it's all love. So, two things we have to remember. The first thing is, what did Jesus do? Jesus remembered her. So the first call of action in this passage is to remember them. Remember her. Remember him. Who? do you need to remember that have been forgotten? I pray the Spirit of God would show you faces, give you promptings in your heart like my wife received, which Roe is very grateful for. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise God. <laughs> right? I mean, so that's the first, that's the first thing. Second thing is, how, how did Sally and Zuri, who are both serving in our community, Come to this community. Join this community. Food. We have to fellowship with them. Don't just remember them. Go to them and say, hey, let's have dinner. Let's have coffee. You know, the, the only commodity outside of eternity that you can never recoup is time. With so much you have to do in your life, the greatest gift you can give those who've been forgotten is your time. We don't need clever marketing strategies and cool apps and you know all kinds of schemes. Right? Google and Facebook, all the tech giants already do that. Right? I'm talking about Banana Republic coat, and next thing Facebook advertises it. I'm like, whoa. My wife, like, my wife's like, how do they do that? Algorithms. What's scarce in New York? What's scarce in megacities? Hospitality. Sincerity. 
when you sincerely and with, with a genuine, sincere heart meet with people that are forgotten, it's the most powerful gospel witness you can give anyone. And that's what Jesus says in Revelations. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in, eat with them, and they with me. Fellowship with them. It's the greatest gift you can give. If our community can do that, remember people and fellowship with people in hospitality and sincerity, we'll change eternity. We'll change people's lives who are just sometimes will get lost in the way. Amen? Stand and pray together. Um, I, I like the angle that Dr. Sammy is going at where it's kind of like, you know, I think like the growing concern for people is that we're, we're, we don't want to forget people that are marginalized, but it's like, how can you begin to impact those people? It's like, you, you kind of have to start with your local community and then kind of expand outwards. So I was, I guess like, it seems like what we're mainly addressing is like who we can impact in our like circles of people that we tend to like forget or like have dismiss or like we get, we're too busy for and stuff like that. Cause if, if we can't be faithful to those guys or those people around us, then how can we really like, you know, go extend further than that? If I'm understanding that mm. correctly, I don't think it's actually one or the other though, mm. or in any order. No, really? I think it's about how God sees the harvest, and in the harvest are the people that may not be here presently, mm. um, that have been forgotten or could be forgotten, as well as those who are out there that need to hear the gospel. Oh, I see. Yeah. So it's not like a matter of like starting small and then going big, but it's just like... I mean, I think the um, stewardship of the people in our lives is always a, you know, a value. Mm. Right. But that value is not restricted to the people already in community mm. or who belong to a community. Right. The overlooking heart of God is actually to the whole harvest. Mm. Yeah. I see. So, yeah, the concept works for both. Right. The value is for both. However, it's not one or the other. Uh, I see. Because in the process, you don't know how dynamically God is working mm -hmm. um, by His Spirit, um, using the body of Christ to reach out to all. Um, sometimes it's someone who's never heard the gospel who is in the margins may not hear it. I see. And it could be someone within the community. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense to me because it's, cause it's like a... It, it almost seemed like it was it was a continuation of what we were talking about with like building character and having integrity so that we can like add more to our lives or like more responsibility for such things but it's it's not necessarily like that in this case it's like when the harvest is there or like in whichever way we can like sow or in which way we can reap uh, the, the harvest and join God in this purpose is like when we is just when we it's just just like different categories of that well, I think it's about the extension of God's heart. Mm. And as a people of God, the stewardship of responsibility and character building is really so that we can become a people who represent God well. Because mm. Jesus prays that by um, the unity as um, the Trinity is united, right? Mm. And by the unity and the love seen amongst others in the believers that um, others will see that God has truly sent his son. Mm. So that representation cannot come without the character of Christ seen mm. in the body of Christ. 
So all of it is all connected. Right. And it's it goes hand in hand. Gotcha. Gotcha. I think um so one of the things that kind of struck me with the sermon is that Dr. Sammy made a very like poignant um remark about how it's not just that like we forget people right or like that there are people in our lives that we tend to um overlook and such because whether we're like so caught up with our own flourishing or our own lives and such but it's also like there was this point that he was making that i thought uh maybe like i I just wanted to ask you because it's like it's not just that they are forgotten it's like sometimes they want to be forgotten you know Mm -hmm. whether it's like due to shame or whether it's because of a series of mistakes that they made that maybe it's like, oh, they don't want to like come out of isolation because of mm-hmm. whether it's embarrassment and stuff. And I thought that was like something that really spoke to me because it's not because like I, sometimes I feel like I tend to fall into that boat where it's like, oh, I don't want to be seen or I don't want to be remembered. Like, I don't want I don't want people to go out of their way to like think about me and such like that. And it's like I think it struck a chord in the sense that it's like, oh, wow, that's like a that's like a really fair point like there's two parts to this almost where it's like some people tend to forget and some people just know that they're or like acknowledge that they are forgotten and they're like are willing to be there because of whatever x y and z reasons and i was i was wondering if you had any like thoughts on that and like how god is like you know working in those areas yeah i think it's tough when people are struggling sometimes the isolation seems to be the only way out mm. at first it could come off as like a protective defense right like okay let me give myself some time mm. and then before you know it um the space becomes almost like a divide divider yeah between uh, where where you belong and i think it also I mean, this is not, this sounds so technical, but I think it happens in these phases sometimes mm. that when you've been isolated for so long, you almost feel like um, it's probably better off if I am separated from people because mm. I'm not in a good place. And I think there's a spiritual element to that too. It's not just the social dynamic of, you know, how people may feel at times to be forgotten or, you know, to matter. I think it's also the enemy also whispers lies on top of the insecurity and the fear and the isolation that what you're concerned about is so petty. Mm. That's not of the character of God. So you shouldn't even bring that up. So I think it continues um, the cycle of isolation. And of despair. I see. So it's like almost like a reinforced message that even God forgot you or like God won't even like look at those mistakes or your shame. And so it's like it's not worth it almost. Yeah, I think it it does. It goes there. I think a lot of times it happens. I, w- I wouldn't say like it happens always the same way. Sometimes with God, sometimes with people. And then it leads to God mm. forgetting. And sometimes it starts with, the you know, being forgotten by a community and then feeling like, well, God probably doesn't care either. Yeah. But like, again, representation. But I think what happens is people feel, even though they're, there are these healthy places and havens created for people to come, when there is that battle happening in the mind where it is... Um, in different dimensions like demonic and emotional Mm -hmm. that people may be even um, be showing up to groups and so-called fellowship gatherings but they will not necessarily be opening up because they feel like what i have to share in my struggles seems a little bit petty and 
irrelevant mm. to the overall what people may be going through. Mm. Um, and that could be like if people are talking about wins or if people are talking about struggles in different stages of life. Yeah. Um, whether it's moving up and moving on stages of life. Mm. And you've, you um, get the message like, well, I'm kind of still in the same place and struggling. So mine is probably not that important. So I think enemies whispers um, lies of specifically isolation mm. and people actually get and stay isolated and yeah. that's why i think the body of christ um operating to really remember faces and names and to reach out is so crucial mm. to making the body of christ healthy right you know yeah and i i totally agree because it's like um i think a part of the reason why i felt that part of the sermon really struck with me is because like they're like i'm sure all of us, if not many of us, have already experienced or have experienced times where they felt forgotten or they've been left behind or, you know, they've been, you know, like friends have left in their lives and such like that. And so it's like there's almost like it's almost it's almost like a lot of us have experienced some kind of loss and that loss is very painful. And it's almost like to save us from the expectation that, you know, we we can take on the hope that people think about us and that, pe that people consider us and uh, we matter to people. It's it's almost like a weird comfort zone where i'm used to being alone and i'm used to not being remembered or thought of and so it's like i'm just going to stay here but i think the power of remembrance and the action behind remembrance that i think i also thought was what helped me a lot during those moments in my life is that people see you they express um how much they care about you and like they take notice of who you are and like how you impact other people around you and it's like that was very that was very powerful for me, you know, like hearing those similar remarks from you, um, my friends, my significant other, pastors and such like that. But it's like, you know, like that's like what really bridges the gap between like isolation, as we see in this text from isolation and like from people really experiencing life change. Like I think my life has kind of taken like a bit of a turn since then, you know. And so, you know, I just wanted to speak to you about like what I guess if we know that like one of our like one of the things that we want to do to join God in this mission mission is to remember it's like how do we how do we like continue doing that you know what I mean because it's so easy to forget about others and it's also easy to kind of like forget about yourself you know in that sense like take yourself out of the picture hmm you mean speaking from the point of view of someone who feels forgotten yeah, yeah. to take themselves out of the picture mm -hmm. is that what you're asking um and what we are to do about that? What did yeah, you? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, because I know, because I know, it's like I, I get lost. In... Sorry, I got a little okay. lost. Because, like, I think like action or like remembering is like, like Doctor Sam says, a very action packed. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? It's like to to like recall a memory and to think about somebody and then to go out of your way to express that or to reach out to somebody can impact somebody in like such a great way. You know, in such a great, such a grand way. Um, just like your story with Starbath and such like that. But it's like, it's sometimes like we don't do that. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes we get caught up or we get lost. Um, and I think there's like two parts to that in the sense that like the person that may have feel forgotten takes themselves out of the picture, like removes themselves out of being remembered by people. And sometimes the people that, you know, are like too busy or so, such like that, like don't just don't act on it because it's 
whether it's like a burden or it's a hassle or something like that so it's like it's almost like that ice that gap just like increases exponentially because of that but you know like how do we bridge that gap i guess is the simplest way i could so how do we bridge the gap for someone who wants to be forgotten Mm. and who is being forgotten how do we bridge the gap um for the person who wants to take themselves out of the picture yeah Mm. um you know what i was actually thinking about this right um so you know forgetfulness i mean like i used to have a way better memory when i was single (laughs) or you know when i was just married with Uh no kids and then once i got pregnant like pregnant brain you know i just want to kind of go here because there are a lot of people in this area and could probably relate Mm -hmm. and you know what you know, pregnant brain, maybe it's the chemistry or whatever. But mm. the thing is, as life happens and as your children grow up, first child, children, like you're caring for others, I definitely forget a lot more mm. than um, I used to. I just can't. Like, I want to. My yeah. intention is like, I want to remember that. But like, wow, the day has gone by and I cannot um, believe that I forgot mm. that one thing. Or... But it happens, you know, and I think the busier your um, lifestyle gets, like it happens, the bigger the load. It's not just a female thing, Mm. although pregnant brain is real and mom brain is a real thing Mm. just to give respect to that. Right. But um, um, so I think human beings, we tend to forget. And I think that's something um, to remember and to embrace about humanity. Mm. I think that. You know, when God says, do not forget, it is over a period of time that we forget. And he's confronting the process of how we begin to forget mm. him and the important things. Right. He's not talking about the one mistake of how did you forget that? Because it happens over time, right? Um, I mean, that's just my take. But I guess my point being... Um, yeah, we forget Yeah, because we have responsibilities in a day and we're taking care of things so we forget. And we have beautiful like spiritual disciplines that help us remember. Mm. Like for me, when I, I and on a busy day, I just kind of take my notes on my phone um, and just journal throughout the day. And it doesn't cover the whole day, just moments of, you know, literally disrupting the... Um, rhythm of my busyness Mm -hmm. and turning to god like without that i think that i would forget way more right and just remembering people in that process so yeah we have that but what do you do when your intention is not to forget but one thing happens and you all together kind of just forget Mm -hmm. and you only see what's in front of you Mm. I think this is the part where Jesus, when Jesus meets the woman at the well, um, and we can learn from his example. So for him, he goes out of his way to step in to something out of his own rhythm, Mm. out of his own comfort zone to actually be there for someone or something. Right. And in this case, he was there for the woman. And that's why, like, the disciples are kind of disarrayed because they're like, okay, what is, okay, isn't Jesus hungry? Like, yeah. they're just totally missing the point because 
I they are kind of like busy doing their own thing, <laughs> yeah. right? But Jesus intentionally goes to the woman and actually waits for her. Mm. So there's a lot of intentionality that goes into that action. And what's powerful about what Christ did is that he takes a good intention and actually moves on it. Yeah. And I think it goes back to our effort, something that I've been reflecting on like since January. I think without effort, things don't change much, yeah. if at all. Mm -hmm. But it's when we make effort is when things might sparkle, mm. you, you know, or spark. Yeah into uh, momentum so i think there's really no you know simpler answer other than to actually consider others mm -hmm. um even in our busyness even in our own um flourishing or working on getting better and expanding our own horizon and territory of our own lives actually stopping to remember others mm -hmm. has to become part of um, our daily practice, mm. because if not, I think slowly um, and surely evangelism, even mission comes, becomes a non-value. Right. We could say we're missional people because we attend a missional church. Um, we're at the forefront is missional, but if we live in a way where we begin to kind of only be mindful of our own lives, our own success, our own health, mm. then Mission is is a value, I guess, and to a certain extent, but it no longer is a personal value. Mm. And I think that's kind of like how sometimes good intentions have a way of making us feel really good about what we might value. Yeah. But when it's not tested in action, it actually leads to a lot of whole lot of things that we never intended them for um, to go. Yeah. You know. Mm. So. Sometimes it's just not um, wrongdoing, but omission of the, the values of God, omission of um, not taking action yeah. really hurts others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think what kind of comes to mind is that, you know, like the process of forgetting is kind of what helps you remember. But even when you have that moment to remember, like, oh, it's like, oh I remember I had, I had to do this or like, oh, I remember I was thinking about this person. What I kind of catch myself with is 95% of the time, it's like, oh, I had the thought, but it's like, there's no action. And it's like, it's like, for me, I was thinking about that person and there was no follow through. And so therefore there was no like action or there was no like, nothing happens. yeah, nothing happens. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's like, I feel like that that's kind of like common. Like, I, I don't want to say that that's just like unique to myself. I'm sure there's moments where we think about the important things we have to do or the important peoples in our life, important people in our lives that, you know, we know that are on our thoughts and on our hearts and on our minds. But it's like a lot of times the follow through is not necessarily there. And it's like it doesn't even have to be like a large, like grandiose thing. It's like even like a text message or like, a, you know, reaching out in some way or form is like a way in which you can act on something. But it's like, like you said, it's like if it's like those small things that we let pass by that causes us to live in such an inactive way in terms of relationship right mm -hmm. yeah i think especially because um when you know mindfulness is like a huge thing in our world now right mm. and i think mindfulness is also huge reflection is also huge like we're learning you know um 
not so long ago, there was a message about gratefulness, right? Yeah. At our church. And um, it's not that some people are more grateful than others. It's just that others reflect and therefore mm-hmm. are grateful. Right. Just like the practicality of um, the practical, I guess, application here is it's not that we, some people forget, some people don't. Like some people say to me like, Oh, Pila, you never forget. Pastor Lita, you never forget. You always remember. How did you remember that? But the thing is, in my own mind, I am like Dory in <laughs> Finding Nemo. Yeah. I was just actually going to say Finding Dory. <laughs> but well, that's kind of how I am. Right. I'm like, I forget so many things. And I am very, um, you know, like my mind is like very scattered because mm. I have a lot of, I'm, I'm excited about so many things. So like all throughout the day yeah. or drained sometimes all throughout the day like my mind is always kind of catching up to Mm. the things that i actually want to do and so it's not that i'm wired in such a way for example i'm just using myself as an example right like not the example Mm. as an example Mm. um that i forget or i'm absent-minded most of the time Mm. But it's the practice of intentionality, of reflecting and thinking about the um, people that helps me remember and keeping myself accountable to that, which Mm. sometimes is very inconvenient, you know, but it's the practice of trying to find lost sheep or people that have lost their way. Mm. Um, It's very, very intentional you know then so yeah i think this is something that we can all do and i think that's why it's being addressed Mm. as a church as the church we if you know i think dr seuss said something like this like he said if you care someone has to care a whole lot for something to change yeah and i think it's true and he put it simply but really someone has to really care to do something. Mm-hmm. So this is a value of ours. Yeah. We just have to act on it. Right. And it just takes a little bit of effort. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not like you're saying per se, because it's like your intentionality and your your uh, remembrance of people comes from a deep place of care, right? And I, it's not like, I think it's like, you know, a lot of us do care about people. Like that's an, un, un, like, you can't deny that that's why we think about people and that's why you know um it's in those moments that we have like oh i forgot i'm supposed to reach out to this person for dinner or something or like grab coffee with this person but it's just like i think the inconvenience thing that you bring up is like maybe like what a lot of us struggle with because it's like you know people do find themselves to be in a busy schedule and people do find themselves to be in a certain rhythm where it's like it's too much to go out of their way and it's like i guess it's like how do you kind of go over that step to just like do it you know what i mean it's like oh like no excuses or you know like oh i care about this person so i have to do it like you know what i mean like it's like what is that motivating factor for you to like really step out of your comfort zone and to care about someone in that way i don't know joe (laughs) (laughs) what does that look like for you because the level of uh forgetfulness and inconvenience i mean yeah i see the tension but Uh, how have you overcome when you felt inconvenient about something uh well I, I do it because I care. I mean, like, I guess it's like, that's what I, that's what I mean. It's like, it seems so like obvious, like you do it because you care about it, right? It's like, 
why do I do my homework? I guess it's because I care about getting a good grade or something. You know, like it's like if you care so much about something, like you will be intentional. Like I care about you know my girlfriend, so I I want to set up a nice date or something. You know, it's like, but I think it's sometimes it's like we forget that we care even, or like we forget that like that's like a part of who we are. Because like I think for a long time in my life. I was just not doing things or like I was just very inactive about being intentional with people because I was like, oh, it's like so inconvenient. Like they're going to have another birthday. You know, like this is like how messed up this thinking was like they're going to have another birthday. It's like, oh, they're they're like not going to notice that I'm not there or they're going to like X, Y and Z reasons for me to like not act on something, even though that's not truly how I feel about it. And I I guess it's like it kind of it kind of did stem from that same like oh, they don't notice you or it's it's fine if they forget you. Like, it's not important that you show up or, like, that you reach out to them. You know what I mean? Like, other people are doing it that's more important to them or, like, you know what I mean? So it's, like, it seems like there's, like, this real, uh, like, I guess the best way to put it is, like, a really maladaptive way of, like, seeing yourself in those places where it's, like, your feelings say that you care a whole lot, but your action shows or makes it seem like you don't care at all. You know what I mean? And I think that's like one of the tensions of that inconvenience. And it's like, I think I resolved myself to say like, Oh, because I care and that's who I am. Like, of course I have to do it. You know what I mean? It's like, of course I want to do these things and I'm going to do my best at it, even though I might not be so good at it, or I don't know, really know what I'm doing or what I'm trying to do here. I just want to show up or, you know, so it's like, I, I think this is, has been like a very recent thing that's been developing for me, uh, which I'm still reflecting on and thinking about. And it's like right down the middle where it speaks to like a very recent past and like who I'm trying to be now. Um, and so I guess I was just like mm. curious, you know. Yeah. I wonder if what you're speaking about um, is more about social anxiety of approaching a matter. mm and inconvenience is, I know, like a lot of times inconvenience is kind of the block, one of, you know, the things that block mm. a path to really, you know, reaching out, right? But I think it, I'm, well, I'm not trying to point my finger at you of saying course, yeah, you're yeah. socially anxious. Yeah, yeah. I think the world is socially anxious. And right. I think especially... um you know, the millennial generation, there's, a, and the Gen Z, there's a lot of social anxiety yeah, like of approaching don't wanna, human beings. Yeah, like people don't want to be an inconvenience to others and such like that. Yeah, but the, it's a thought process behind it. It's like the checking out process kind of looks like um, there's so much focus on how I will do that job mm. or how, how I will come across that the angst around that makes it it like drains the energy kind of this is like a disconnector mm. socially and i think um it's a good it's a good thing to bring up because uh, again it's like intentionality is there but the action fails because mm. somewhere along the way it disconnects yeah where i think um you brought it up before it's like where you check yourself out that you don't matter. Mm. And so that if you take yourself out of the picture, then maybe it's better off. Yeah. You know, if there's a burden that comes with that, mm. it seems, um, 
Well, you know, I think Jesus does address that.、Um, do unto others as you want them to do to you, right?、Mm. And I think in a time and a generation where so much focus is on self performance,、um, Jesus eases that burden of expectation by saying, I know that it is heavy on you to act because you don't know exactly what to do and how to go about it, or if you're even going to say the right thing.、Mm. Or, I mean, there's tons of reasons why people are no less people are interacting face to face, right? Yeah. Because in the social age and also、um, with the cell phone. Do they even call it a cell phone anymore? With the、just、with the, the phone. phone, yeah, <laughs> the phone. phone, yeah,、now. it's a phone、yeah. because actually someone recently asked me, what is a what is that thing plugged into? You know, in、oh, the wall、uh, in a movie. Like a landline. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's a landline. They're like, what's that? Oh boy. <laughs> but that's kind of where we are. You're right, because it's just a phone. Yeah. Some people don't have landline, but yeah, you know, in an age where everything is very accessible through the phone, and A lot of times we're talking to robots and getting things done or what, right?、Mm. Um, I think it's important to acknowledge and to remember that this is an issue, but that there is a way out.、Mm. I'm actually kind of losing my point, but、oh. um, I guess my point being, Jesus makes the focus from ourselves to the person in need.、Mm. And that kind of that refocusing kind of breaks the whole. I don't know the malaise or like the fog. Yeah, or... I think usually what anxiety is, you're so fixated or focused on something that cannot resolve itself、mm. that you cannot even see the solution.、Mm. That it almost becomes the only thought you have in your mind. Yeah, and. It actually becomes,、um, what's the word, inhibitor to、yeah. even remembering, because、mm. it blocks anything other than this one thing. Yeah, it's kind of like I think in Charlie Brown when Charlie Brown would go into his own like, you know, he would get anxious a lot, and、yeah. you would see like a bubble yeah, with all this. And stuff. Yeah. yeah, it feels like that, but I think people are experiencing that.、Mm. So you call it inconvenience. I mean, yeah, laziness is definitely a factor. You know, to call it what it is, but、mm. I think there's a lot of、um, complication of anxiety that happens that you lose focus of the ones in need,、mm. and you lose focus of. Even the life God called us to live, and the one that Christ exemplifies、mm. as the ultimate example of someone who represents the Father's love to those in the margins, to those who are forgotten. Yeah. Because obviously it was meal time. The disciples were eating.、Mm. They were getting food ready. You know, it's a group, so they're probably always thinking about, okay, where, when are we having our next meal?、Yeah. How are we gonna get our next meal? But Jesus, despite the whole rhythm of how things were, he went out of his way. Yeah. You know,、mm. and at noon,、yeah. he met the woman,、um, in her where she was coming at an odd time of twelve of isolation.、Mm. He shows up. In perfect timing, you know, to meet the woman where she was. So, 
I think the focus and the practical application is to get the focus off of ourselves and yeah. to know that there is someone who needs you. Right. And you, that'll like snap us out of the Yeah, frog, I right? think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think the trap is often that we make it too much about ourselves and how mm. well we will do. Yeah. And Sam talks about that, the whole perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Why people don't even finish the task, why people don't start sometimes is really because they feel like maybe they're not going to do it well. They're not going to um, initiate well. Yeah. And so the thing never gets done or right. people quit. I believe it's the first generation where people ghost, I think, workplaces when they move on. Yeah. So there's really like, yeah, things are just kind of like a mess, you know? Mm but internally that's how anxiety looks like and we can combat social anxiety of that by refocusing on the need Mm. and not how how we are feeling Mm. and Mm. contrary and counterintuitive to that moment where people are in that um studies will show that when you actually reach out there's a deeper happiness and deeper satisfaction that comes that Mm. Though the tendency might be to worry, that becomes like, like negligible at the end of the day. Yeah, it's relevant to mm. what you can accomplish when you actually act out of, you know, and mm. pursue beyond that concern. Right. So the way I'm kind of seeing it, because like I'm, I felt like in my scenario, it was like I almost identified as like the Samaritan woman. You know what I mean? It's like I was just kind of in my own bubble. I was like isolating myself and such like that. But kind of, but kind of, what snaps us out of that is like just looking at how Jesus, out of his inconvenience and like, goes out of his way to, I guess, like intervene in in other person's, I guess, inconvenience because I'm sure she didn't like want to be seen or like talked to and stuff like that. Like it, it, it does seem like there has to be just general inconvenience and like interruption to ourselves and to others in order to make something happen right in order to make that life change happen to spur something on where like it can really change the trajectory of somebody's life yeah Yeah. i think interruptions are good right it reminds us and takes us our folk our focus off everything that we feel like Mm. we have to get done you know and i'm not saying like you know the tasks are not important Mm. or that the projects are not important but there are more important things. Mm. And I think that th- through interruption, the Holy Spirit interrupts people all the time. Yeah. You know, Jesus interrupts people all the time and, right. you know, in their conveniences. So it's not, yeah, I think it definitely snaps us out of how we are functioning as people, mm. I think. Yeah. I think one of the things that Doc was talking about, or Dr. Sam was talking about, was like, you know, the the greatest thing we can do for people is to offer our time to them. And I guess it's kind of like because we're so caught up with our own time and how we use our time and like for what purposes we use our time. It's like it's so hard to make that space for other people. You know what I mean? But, you know, I guess the call and responsibility for us as people that represent Christ, especially in such a way where it's like we remember people and reach out to them is to like provide that time no matter like what it is, or like what it looks like. And I'm I'm wondering, is there like, a way in which that you like we can like open up our time for people or like to make that space intentionally for people because it's like like for me i'm very like 
very structured about each day like i i hate when there's interruptions in my time like it's, it's like one of my pet peeves like when i have like my entire day set out from like the moment i wake up it's like i'm gonna do this 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 and then like my mom asks me to do something for her it's like inside of me i just like <laughs> it, like I, it boils so you know it's huh. just like it like it bothers me so much but you know like <laughs> i like i work i'm like working on it you know uh-huh. i'm like you know trying to you know like this is a concern my mom has i have to take care of it and stuff like that um but you know what i mean it's like it seems like there's like a like i have like a general like dislike for interruptions but it's like to have people in our lives to have like you know people that matter to us and we care about it, it's kind of like we have to be interrupted and we have to go out of our way and make that space and that time and it's kind of like um i'm still learning how to do it so i was just wondering it's like you know well i think we're kind of so caught up in feeling good about everything that happens mm. That interruption feels like, well, that doesn't feel good because that's kind of like hurting my schedule. Uh, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't mean it's right. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah, or yeah. it's not right. Like, um, what is it? I think my children used to tell me, they felt bad, so they would tell me, they would say, you know, mom, like, I didn't really want to help you there, but I <laughs> helped you because... Um, I felt bad or yeah. I said, so you didn't want to help me. And like they would say, yeah, actually, uh, no. But I said, why did you? Well, because um, I knew you needed help. I was like, well, then despite what you felt, like I'll just say this. I'm like, despite mm. what you felt, I'm glad you helped me because it helped me out. Right. And um, because in the beginning, I would get so fixated on like, what? You felt bad? Don't yeah. you know? And I always like, joke to my kids like don't you know i carried you for nine months like you know you yeah. think that was convenient yeah, yeah. like i kind of joke but then i used to get kind of like caught up in that like right. what you don't appreciate me to you know what i think i'm okay like you could feel what you feel mm-hmm. but i needed your help and i'm glad you helped me so uh, thank you i see yeah i think like we get so caught up yeah. in feeling right, yeah. feeling good about everything that I think there's like a almost like a tendency of obsessiveness yeah. about feeling about, good about every decision. Right. It's my decision. Yeah. I made that decision. But you know what? My dog interrupts me all the time <laughs> and I have to, you know, let her out. Like, but yeah, it's inconvenient. Right. But... It has to be done. Yeah. And I think it's extending that inconvenience. So coming back to inconvenience, it's extending that feeling or that feeling of, oh, I don't like this. I'm Mm. not in control of this. Like Mm. my day is not going according to the way that I usually plan out my week. It's going, it's kind of like breaking through and doing something that really matters. Yeah. So if it gets done, I don't know. I don't really mind if my kids grumble through it. Like as long as it's, gets done yeah so yeah i think a lot of times and i think it's a similar theme of even the people who feel forgotten it gets so fixated on the emotion of shame behind why do i feel like this Mm -hmm. that it's almost like the trap spiritual trap of the enemy as well as um as human beings we're learning to kind of understand like is this even an emotion that i'm not saying it's irrelevant per se but because every emotion matters right but not every emotion is true yeah so it's kind of like the process of learning to process and and differentiate what 
is something I want to live by versus right. everything I feel. Right. Because despite how we might feel about things, like negative, like if we feel that one of our decisions we made or actions we made was like, oh, it didn't feel so good. Like objectively, it might have like helped somebody. Right. Yeah. And it's like a lot of the times we're so fixated on lining up our feelings with like the result. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's kind of like the result speaks for the fact that even though you felt like, oh, maybe it wasn't a great idea that I called that person or that I like asked to hang out with this person or like this, this, this and whatever reasons. The fact of the matter is like maybe that person felt like they really were cared for, or that they felt loved or such like that. It's like and that result kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even to say in this tumultuous time of this age of this world of mm-hmm. everything that's happening right um you know with the outbreak of the coronavirus for mm-hmm. example that usually in china they don't allow christians to um really uh what is it outwardly uh what is the word express their faith yeah express their mm-hmm. faith even in good deeds yeah um, the government import, you know, kind of just restricts them, and you know, a lot of there's a lot uh, of persecution. But because people are in a, in an age where even the officials and everyone is kind of just looking out for themselves mm-hmm. to um, to not get the virus, to not get sick, that the streets are empty, but Christians are reaching out, and it's an op- and Christians are seeing it as an opportunity to actually live out their faith and mm. to be there for the people. Right. So it is counterintuitive, mm. you know, it is countercultural, but this is kind of where Jesus was going, you know, like Samaritan woman was the marginalized of all, like Jews didn't associate with Samaritans, yeah. but Jesus goes out of his way mm. and kind of, crosses all sorts of borders to be there for the women yeah so i think i think sometimes you forget you know that as believers we have to go against the culture right so mindfulness is important to reflect to become deeper but i think if mindfulness itself becomes an obsession like some too much of something good could be a bad thing kind of thing you know mm-hmm. what i mean like yeah. it can't be our end goal to be so aware of everything that we are in so much control mm. because the holy spirit is always wanting to lead us right. out of our own comfort zone out of our conveniences out of our lunch hour out of our rest or nap time mm-hmm. while still caring for us you know yeah to be there for others, hmm. you know? And the thing is, God would never make us do anything that we can't do. Hmm. Or, um, But I think our judgment of what we think we can accomplish is a lot sometimes smaller yeah. than how God's view of us. Right. And it could be selfishness. It could be, you know, self-preservation. It could be fear. Hmm. But the power of the gospel is that he's always kind of pushing our barrier yeah so that we can love more yeah because we don't love for the sake of loving we love because people need it Mm. just like we needed that love you know christ didn't come because for the sake of saying well i died so if you believe it you don't he's still in pursuit of people yeah so if he's not done why should we be done yeah 
and we i guess it's like it definitely still goes in line with the whole inconvenience because it's like growth and the expansion of our character and being tested against our character is it's not supposed to be a comfortable process and i, I guess like a lot of the times we think it's going to be easier than it actually is like to love someone does take work and to go out of your way for somebody does take work and it's like i guess there's like that mismatch of like what we want how we want it to go right like things are just going to happen naturally or like friendships are just going to happen or relationships will be mended or like people will reach out to you and stuff like that but it's like no like it's these it's these small things like these small things that build our character um that god is expanding us towards that it has always been the way in which that god like grew our character and you know represented him through us you know what i mean it's like and i think it's like hard to remember that it's like it's not supposed to be an easy thing to love and to love well and but then like when when you can and when you can be a person that does love and love well it's like people see it and people notice it and it's like people remember it and that's that's like i think one of the beautiful things about the gospel because for me i think it's like even though no matter how much i want it to be forgotten or like no matter how much like i forget things it's like people still remember me like sometimes i don't know why and sometimes it's like that doesn't make any sense i didn't do anything or anything like that but it's like i think it's that it's the fact of the matter is that oh you are you matter much more to people than you think and that like truth and like the way in which i see how jesus approaches approaches the samaritan woman in this it's kind of like oh even though like nobody sees you or like you feel like it's important that like you shy away from everybody it's like i see you and i care about you and it's like we need a community that could do that for us and we need God to do that for us in order for us to realize that there is like something about us that is lovable or to be loved and that we can also represent the same thing or reciprocate the same thing for other people. Yeah. I think also it's important to know, even though it's like obvious, it's not the point is to not build character, mm. but that character is for the sake of others. Yeah. Like, you know, Pharisees are a good example of that. They did everything correctly and yeah. right. So much that people looked up to them as religious leaders, right? Mm -hmm. But they didn't display love at all. Mm. You know, everything was so right and correct that it it almost felt there was such a disconnect with mm. them and the people. So... Yeah, we could build character and do everything right. But if it is not for the very goal of representation mm -hmm. for the sake of others, then you might as well be a nice statue. Oh, yeah. You know? Right. But I think Christians are a lot, a lot of times it's like that. Like, oh, I lived in integrity. I didn't do any of these things. And I yeah. stayed away from this and I didn't do that. Well, you might as well be a nice statue. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that's never the goal the goal is we work on ourselves so that we become more like christ and christ is not a statue yeah he was the living god who gave himself to humanity right and it still is in pursuit with the father and the spirit mm. so that others come so there's a misconception to any to say let me be um whole and pure and holy so that i can be the person people look to mm. for example and have no action is like you might as well be the statue of david in yeah. italy people admire it yeah but 
What about it? Yeah, you could it sketch mean? it. You could, but does that make people better? No, yeah. we we become stronger for the sake of others. We right. become well for the sake of others. Yeah, there's a lot of focus that we do it for ourselves, and that's true. We can never have integrity apart from our own choice. Yeah, uh, to decide I want to do that for myself, mm-hmm. but in the end, it's for the sake of others. Right, because Jesus praised that He says, "Let." The world recognized that you sent me, your son, by their love. Mm. And so we could do, and if we all stood as statues and we could say, God, look how clean I am. Well, then God will say, well, where's the love? Mm. You're so clean, but where's the love? I thought you would get a little dirty. Yeah. Trying to go in the miry clay of, you know, dust and dirt and snow and rain to reach out, take Mm -hmm. the train, you know, Mm -hmm. like, but why are you so clean? (laughs) Mm. You know what I mean? So I think we have to emphasize we become whole. We become, we flourish for the sake of others. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it seems like we have a greater responsibility than we take ourselves to have. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, like our flourishing and our blessings and all of our gifts are not just for the sake of building us up, but it's like, it's to build others. Yeah, actually gifts are not for the sake of self. Yeah. Ever. Right. The Bible makes it very clear that the gifts are given. It's like you're given a gift so that that gift can be used for others. Yeah. It's never to self prophesy. Mm-hmm. It's never to self, you know, miraculously heal. Like yeah. it's or to be such an affirming person that you affirm yourself. Yeah. The gift of encouragement, the gift of um miracles, the gift of uh teaching right. is not so that you edify yourself, but it is to edify the body of Christ. Mm. And everyone has a gift um, given by the Spirit of God mm. um, as you walk in Christ. So that gift is meant to be used. Not everyone's gift is the same. Yeah. Some will make the best coffee and may not make the best coffee, let's say, like, but will serve it in a way that person receiving it will feel like, wow, I am seen and loved. Mm-hmm. That's very powerful, right? Um, not everyone has that effect, but because gifts are meant for others yeah. to edify the body of Christ. Mm. Because God says that we as the church um, and the church all universally, right? We are the body of Christ. So, yeah, it's never for ourselves. Yeah. Or for it to become a label like, oh, what are what is on the resume? Oh, I have the gift of service i have to give to prophecy mm, yeah. like it's it never works that way right it's to serve others right. for the sake of others and that's like what this message is trying to wrap us back around to right it's like it's always been for the mission for other people it's like it's restoring that beauty in the forgotten it's all it, the gospel has always been for the forgotten and marginalized it was never for like our prosperity and such like that it's the focus, if the focus is not on others and people and relationships, it's like we kind of miss the point of the entire gospel. Right. And I think it is addressing also 
appreciating the parts that don't get recognized. You know, mm. and Paul talks about that in First Corinthians twelve. He talks about how why because you're not um, oh like a the, brain. If you're not like the head, and you're, but you're like a finger or something like that. Yeah, if you're not ear. the hand, like yeah. what? So you're not important. If you're yeah. the foot, you're not as important as the hand. But the truth is, all parts are important, and every part is indispensable. Meaning, every part is crucial. Mm. But there are parts of the body that don't necessarily get recognized, and this is the part. Like scripture is so. It is spiritual wisdom as well as dealing with human dynamics. It's mm. been written not as just like, oh, you know, holiness to become a statue, but no, it actually has human dynamics written into it, mm. right? Because Paul is addressing the church. The church is made of people, you know, not robots. Yeah. Not you know, technology. It's made of people with real feelings, real growth process, mm. real um, strengths and weaknesses. So he brings out that there are parts of the body that don't get, rec get recognition, that do matter and do work hard, but they matter. Mm. So you lift them up and appreciate them so that they will know that what they do matters mm. to the overall work of God. Whereas yeah. some are more recognized because they're more in the forefront. Right. So, and he says that. He says that you recognize each part and acknowledge as one part, one body, different parts, so that there's no like argument or discord like, hey, what's going on yeah. here? You know, because you're dealing with human beings. Right. You know, so I thought it was so powerful how there are so many people that. Are in that are required to do anything in church, mm. but often you see, you know, like at any service, you will see, um, you'll see the greeters, right? You'll see the ushers, you'll see the person leading worship, you'll see the people playing the instruments, mm. you'll see the speaker, you'll see the person making announcements. Mm. And I'm not saying they don't need appreciation, yeah. you know, there's a time and place for all of those things, but you don't ever forget often, you don't ever see the people in the back pressing the buttons so yeah. that people don't you know, sound bad or, mm. you know, so that people could so sound harmonious or the person who turns on the mic so that the voice is actually projected so mm. that people can hear it yeah. or that the people recording so that people could hear it outside of the walls of the church. Yeah. Um, you don't see people serving in Sunday school, yeah. you know, and so there are so many more people than what we see up front. Mm. And Paul says that to recognize those people because those people work really hard yeah. and they matter, you know? Mm. Um, and Paul also says that everyone has been given different gifts. And the truth is, like, every work, it's the Holy Spirit works very dynamically. Mm. So, and also, People have, some people may have more um, evident gifts. Some might think, oh, that's so like, I don't know. That's can't, can't anyone make coffee? Can yeah. anyone serve? I don't think so. There, the gift of hospitality, I believe is like such a crucial gift. For example, mm -hmm. 
that is often overlooked because it's expected. Mm. You know, but the thing is, hospitality is so important, and sound crowd, sound oh, the sound crew is so important mm. in this day and age where nothing is just like being spoken at the amphitheater. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah, people behind the scenes really matter. You know, I'll tell you actually, like this happened recently. Um, I was cleaning, and <laughs> it's funny I do this. Like sometimes I try to use my feet to get things and not my hands. Because I'm too lazy to like bend down. Yeah. You do that? Uh, No, I know people that do do that. Oh, okay. I yeah. do that. And so like I was barefoot and um, I was trying to reach this basket. It's like a basketball hoop basket made of plastic. And yeah. I was trying to reach it with my toes and <laughs> grab it towards me. And then um, I failed to do so. I was like, <laughs> ow, that hurt. So I kind of used my hands yeah. and brought it forward but i'm walking around and i see like drips of blood on on the floor oh i'm like what's going on where's that from right yeah. and i realize it's from my Your throbbing yeah. toes yeah. and i was like ow 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 you know yeah. and then i looked at it and it was like it was like a huge cut yeah and then i was like oh my gosh and then like i was like chuckling at it because, and actually, which led me to read First Corinthians 12. Because oh. I was kind of like preparing for a podcast and thinking yeah. about it. Um, like, God, like, I tend to forget. Can you help me not to forget? And God, I felt like God was reassuring me, like, Lydia, people forget because they only see what's in front. But let people know what I think about all of it. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's not knowledge of mine per se. Like I want to bring it back to the word. Mm -hmm. It's been addressed. It's been happening for yeah. ages. People feel forgotten all the time. Right. And Paul talks about that, right? In mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians 12. But um, I just thought it was so funny because I hurt my toe, which I never thought, like think about. Yeah. You know? Like, I know some people are crazy about pedicures and they probably think about their toes all the time. I am mm. not one of those people. I mean, good for them. I just yeah. don't have the time to or the headspace to go there. But for me, I don't ever look at my toes except for when I put on my socks yeah. or shoes or my flip-flops. But today, for the first time, I looked at my toes because the default mode of just laziness, I didn't want to bend down to yeah. get it with my hands mm. usually... Usually my hands are mostly worn out because I use my hands a lot. Yeah. But the thing is, my toe went into action. It got hurt and yeah. I noticed it. Right. And then I realized, wow, like it is part of the body, but it's often forgotten mm. of its capabilities, of its function, of its how crucial it is and how crucially it belongs and holds the body together. Yeah. So... I believe that's what God is saying, though. He's saying to people, hey, there are parts that you may not see, but in reflection, think about and appreciate those that are not seen, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that's in context of the body of Christ. Like mm -hmm. you talked about at the very beginning, like, you know, being stewards of the people in yeah. our community. How are we caring for them? Yeah. But also... It's such a detached um, part of us sometimes that, yeah, it goes also outside of the walls of the church mm. or the symbol of the walls. Like, you know, for us, it's in a theater. So, you know, we always say the church is not a building. But 
it goes out to the people that are not recognized, you know, mm. not seen. Yeah. And I love that the gospel is going out to people. Um, you know, I love that Sam is writing these articles about the marginalized because, mm. um, you know, the political climate is to kind of secure what's in this country to make America great again. Mm. And it's kind of not really serving those that are in the margins. Yeah. You know, there are plenty of people like, I know so many people in the margins, they work hard, but they just don't have the same start as others yeah. who live in this country. And, you know, the country's kind of in the direction of taking away more rights so that people can't really climb to get better. Mm -hmm. And there are people who fear, um, forget coronavirus, there are people who fear the changes of, of the government because they don't know their standing in this yeah. country. That's a lot of burden in a so-called free country, mm -hmm. you know, in a generous, like the most richest country. I love that, you know, Sam is writing to, and Christianity Today, the editors are also writing to kind of bring out these issues that are kind of not right. Yeah. Um, Perhaps culturally, for um, some people's benefit, it works. But, you know, for the heart of God, it's a, it's creating a dissonance yeah. in the body of Christ. And so, you know, and the thing is, the gospel goes that far. It's not just to the walls within, to the people we know. Um, but it is, it goes to the actual margins where people are, in categories of yes people are without categories but there are people in these categories that are a lot very unfortunate mm -hmm. and scripture talks about how we can care for those right. and that we ought to care for those you know like such as refugees yeah. right but so, yeah, I, I, I love that, you know, the church is speaking about that. Sam is speaking into that and that we're going in that direction of informing Christians. What is God's expectation then? Like we mm. understand the culturally what's happening. And it almost seems obvious how, how we protect our own and our own assets. But what is counterintuitively gospel beyond that, you know? Mm. But... Yeah, having said that, without the categories, there are people that are in need of human touch of the heart of God that need community. Mm -hmm. And we have to do something about that, you know? Yeah. And so... Like, I know we talked about, I, I think Peeps talked about Starbucks once. And, um, you know, Sam talked about Starbucks and how I went to go see her. Um, and I, I know I spoke about it in podcasts. But, like, it was a very, very um, awkward situation. And mm -hmm. the thing is, I didn't go to see her with certainty that she was going to return. Yeah. Like, I just want to emphasize that because... Right. A lot of times our actions are so that something works out, but sometimes things just don't work out the way you think. Right. But I just felt like because I remembered her, it was in my responsibility. If I love her, well, this is the least I could do. Yeah. I could just go and say hi and let her know that 
I see her, you know, mm-hmm. um, that she's not forgotten. And I think when I went to see her, it, thankfully, it was more than just me, but I think I represented the church. Mm. And so her returning back to community um, wasn't like, oh, okay, well, one person came to see me. What mm-hmm. about the others? But I went to represent the church yeah. as a community, right? Mm. And I think even that is important. A lot of times, you know, these little pockets are created and like where people are like, well, you love, I think there are these conversations. I'm sure that happen in, in communities. Like I know you care, but mm. I don't know if anyone really cares. Yeah. So the effort is to reach out and yeah. So people are in disillusionment, but to reach out as part of the body of Christ yeah. to bring them back into the whole, I think that's important. Mm. So I think it's twofold. I think we have to learn how God sees us as a body of Christ and we have to be informed. Mm. So I do want to talk more about that. And that's why I'm bringing more scripture in to kind of let us know like what's okay. This is not like pastor Lydia is talking about her experience as a pastor, but my experience come from the fact that I I'm trying to live out the scripture. There's Mm. an authority of scripture and that's important because yeah. it's been already taught and said, and we can dyna- dynamically and daily live that out. Right. And the second is, um, I don't know, just realizing what times we're in and acknowledging the times we're in mm-hmm. and the concerns and yeah. the, the sadness um, people are going through and the anxiety and to acknowledge it and to be countercultural and actually act on it yeah you know right i think we're all aware that you know people are lonelier than ever today and so it's like important that we address that need for others and even for ourselves that connection is one of the most important things right now and you know god has always called us to connect um throughout scripture and throughout our daily lives and so um i I really loved this sermon and i'm sorry for making it so intense i just realized like how like no not you i was it was me i think i was Uh. just so like lasered it's probably the coffee um it was really good coffee um but you know i think it's just like so important like this need um because like i i think it's it's hard to remember and to be remembered but it's also one of the greatest things that you can experience to know that you're on somebody's mind or you're on somebody's heart and that for somebody to know that they were on your mind and on your heart. And um, we need more of that. Like, I think it's just like the antidote and it's the, it's, the, it's the panacea and the cure for some people that might find themselves in like utter loneliness, despair, and just, you know, real isolation, you know, because what can really bring us back and what can really like jumpstart the joy in people's lives and like the zest for life and to know that they're there are like so many great things to look forward to and like to just really love about life and the relationships is like knowing that there's people there that you can love and that love you. And I don't think we express that enough with each other. You know, like I, I think what I'm, you know, from what I'm learning a lot from the series and about myself is that I don't do enough of these things and I want to be somebody that does more of it and much more of it and express all these needs, concerns and desires and love for people and you know acknowledge the love that people have for me because it's like 
it just makes life so much more full and you know if people are feeling empty and if people are feeling down about things it's like this is like what can really just interrupt all that and like really cut through all that stuff which is exactly what jesus did for the samaritan woman and i think it's like what can really help us see that there is a beautiful life that god has set out for us you know what i mean so yeah and to that i would say it's even to the extent of pausing your own flourishing and your own feeling of fullness yeah that we go out like when christ went out and he speaks to the disciples right after he says the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few yeah meaning like for him when he's it's not something he did because this is like this is something he wanted to incorporate into his life yeah this is just, he saw the field mm. and he saw that the field needed to be harvested. Yeah. That the father was already working. Mm. And so he did, he couldn't ignore that, you know? And so he saw the Samaritan woman, but that was not a checkoff for him. Yeah. Like, oh, you went to yoga class. You, or, you know, I hear a lot of kids, I think, um, I think growing up in the, catholic tradition mm. um I, I hear a lot of um kids young younger kids not in our church but like mm. in the neighborhood they will they will sometimes i'll talk to them and they'll say i did my good deed for today yeah i'm like what does that mean like yeah. good deed and they'll say yeah like i've always been taught by my grandpa or grandma like always do a good deed and it will be done back to you i'm like but isn't that karma yeah but like you know i'll have these conversations with like neighborhood kids but like it's not what we incorporate so that we live a full life. Mm. It's because there is a field of harvest of people mm. that honestly, if I or you went out and do try to get everything that we cannot, and that's why we need the whole body yeah. of Christ. Right. So the work is so plentiful. Mm. And I think the farming analogy is probably very foreign to people but i mean to them it made sense but it's i don't know what's something that's if you don't make dinner dinner will not be served if you don't order dinner family won't eat okay mm. i'm saying both because yeah. some families order some nights i mean i order a lot <laughs> um if the if you don't clean the house the house will not be cleaned mm. if you don't cut your nails, the, your nails will grow long, you know? Like there's work to be done. Yeah. yeah. Like, but I'm trying to draw the picture of what Jesus saw. Mm. You know, it could easily be seen as, oh, that's so nice of him. And yeah, it is. It's a good deed. But Jesus saw the harvest that was plentiful. Mm. And he knew that if it was if it doesn't get done, he understands what that means. Do you know what I mean? I'm following, but what is it? What does it mean? Like, is it does it mean that the harvest goes to waste? If we don't reach out or? to certain people, we have this mindset like, you know, people in Africa. If we don't reach out to them, someone will. Oh, it's a if bystander we, apathy. Yeah, yeah. Or we'll say, oh, that poor lady. I know that um, she's in her home by herself. If we don't reach out, someone will. Oh, I see. Um, oh, she's sick. Oh, 
if we don't pray for her, someone will. Oh. It's we're burdened, so you know we should take care of ourselves. Yeah, you know, take your hot bath, soak your feet. Mm. We need self care. It'll take care of itself because God is working. You know, we have all these sayings. Yeah, but the thing is, that's what Jesus is saying. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Mm. If everyone has something to do. Definitely and definitely neglecting the harvest. What happens to the harvest when the season is over? Yeah, I mean there is an end, you know,、mm. and a new beginning of Jesus returning. And yeah, there, but the harvest needs to be worked、right. or it goes to waste. Like,、right. I guess I'm trying to draw the picture that Jesus had in mind a very clear focus. Yeah, that. His actions mattered. Yeah, he could have said, "Well, I I don't want to die on the cross、mm-hmm. because that's hard.、Right. Let me love people a little more. Let me live lo- love people in living、mm-hmm. a day more." And he procrastinated the cross. Yeah. Well, there's gonna be. I mean, we're doomed, right? Yeah. So people often think like something it'll get done. Yeah. But inaction, omission of mission, is a lot more scarier in its、um, what is the word in its result or lack of result.、Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we don't think past that because we're so stuck on how we feel about our actions. Right. You know. Yeah, like we're not thinking big picture in terms of like mission or in terms of. You、well, know, yeah, I, I mean that's very technical, but we're talking about people. So yeah. yeah, I think we could say like big picture, but I guess I want to put、um, heart and flesh into it、mm-hmm. because I think we often could kind of miss the heart and the f- flesh of the fact that we are building character for the sake of. Souls、yeah. that are made in, you know, flesh and blood. Yeah, like we're talking about people here,、yeah. you know. So, and I, I think that's why the twofold of the twofold of focus of going back to the authority of scripture and the、mm. knowledge, which really simply is living by truth, like、yeah. understanding and knowing truth, and not just going by what we feel and think.、Yeah. While twofold acknowledging our times、mm-hmm. that people might be very removed from the reality of the harvest.、Mm-hmm. People might be very removed from the reality of others' needs because the social anxiety and personal anxiety is so high. Yeah.、Um, so as believers. Our responsibility and stewardship is that to the harvest. You know what、mm, I mean? Yeah. the The best analogy that I can come up with is kind of like how people are treating like climate change and stuff like that. It's like we know that there is like a growing or pressing issue macroscopically, but it's like we're like, oh, we'll let the scientists deal with that, or we'll let others deal with that, because like, you know, like what what can we really do about it? It's kind of like that omission of like there is obviously something that's affecting all of us. But then we just don't. But do because you don't see the effect in the moment, yeah, the present now,、mm-hmm. like it's like there's no urgency. Let it deal with itself. Yeah, like let's ignore.、It. Yeah, so I guess that's a good example for this time. Yeah, but 
that's kind of how as much as people will say oh man that's like you know Greta Thunberg right it's like mm. what a what an extraordinary girl for example people say that but we as Christians we do that about people yeah and people in the body of Christ people marginalized people dislocated and disconnected mm. from the gospel who yeah. have never heard the gospel yeah. And going back to what Billy Graham used to say, why do you stop praying for that one person yeah. who has not received Christ when, I mean, like, bottom line, she or he has not come to Christ. Don't stop. Yeah. Because the harvest is plentiful. Mm. But the encouragement is God is already working. A lot of times we get so fixated on, you know, God's not opposed to the fact that we're made of human flesh and that we process as human beings. He's not mm. expecting us to be like, oh, so binary, like do it or don't. Like yeah. he knows that there's a process and that we need growing mindset, all mm. this stuff. But um, but we're called to the harvest. Like we're called to the action of what God is doing, right? Because it's like, if we don't know that, you know, it's important for us that people hear the gospel and people do come to Christ. Like if we forget that that's our value and like that's the like, I guess like the primary reason for like Jesus coming here, then we're kind of missing out on the work that God is doing. And we're not really joining in on that mission. Yeah, definitely. I guess it's like Armageddon. Yeah. yeah. Remember that movie? So good. No, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I don't, really? I don't watch need to watch it. I still it. also have to watch Parasite. I didn't watch Parasite. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's your problem. Sorry. But you know, I didn't watch Parasite. <laughs> oh, you but, didn't watch it either. Okay. okay. No, I didn't watch it yet. But uh, I am going to. Yeah. But Armageddon. Okay. It's okay. You didn't watch it, but do yeah. watch it. But okay. I'll just explain it. Okay. The premise of the movie is, okay, I will not do justice to the science. You watched it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So basically, this big. <laughs> I am not a science girl and I'm not a nerd, so I will just explain it with big <laughs> things and small things. Okay. A big thing is coming to hit the earth. And there are these oil drillers who are the expert, the best. So they get recruited. And it, it's a whole process of recruiting this like um, team of almost like imperfect people uh -huh. because they're so good at what they do to go up into space and to basically make it not hit the earth yeah, like, i think explode it before it comes to the earth uh, i think we actually had something that was on its way here but it didn't skim us it was uh, like billions of years away but closer uh, than most nothing was the Armageddon team. But basically, it's... But people know what I'm talking about, though, yeah, yeah. if you watched it. Yeah. It's really epic. And it, I would actually say... Sam jokes like that it's a Christian sin not to watch yeah. it. But it's such a great picture of why people need to step forward for the harvest yeah. of God, okay? But... If the if you watch the movie, there are a lot of tears because because blah, 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 blah. okay, I'm getting excited. Okay, there are a lot of tears because people are saying goodbyes because they may not come back. Yeah. Why? Because it's a mission where people are risking their lives, right? Mm. Why? Because it's a mission that has to be done. It's that important. If not, the whole humanity could have been wiped out mm. in a day, in a second. Yeah. But. Yeah, so it really captures, like, what's at hand. But I feel like often, as Christians, we we say, 
yeah, in practices, we live out the mission, but sometimes we need to remember that the harvest is plentiful. Mm. I think that's just something we just have to remember. Mm. Or it could be like the disciples. They were following Jesus around. The, you know, the one, this great leader, savior, and teacher who exemplified the heart of God like no one else did. Mm. Yet, in when Christ is in action, when Jesus is in action, they're like, what is he doing? They often miss the point mm. because they didn't see the trajectory of the world of the harvest. Like, you know what I mean? They yeah. didn't, they also, they were always catching up. It was only when really, when Jesus rose again after his death and um, they came to terms with the harvest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Before, mm. they were just kind of like buffoons. Like, okay, let's eat with Jesus. Yeah. Oh, let's see what he does next. Yeah, like, fed 5, how does, people. Yeah, yeah, like, how does this add to my life? Right. Where am I going to stand in uh, the midst of all this flourishing? Mm-hmm. Will I be recognized? Mm. No, I'm be- I'm better than you. But I think a lot of life mm. ends up kind of just being in that dimension of right. how can I be better? Mm. You know, it doesn't matter ancient times or now. But... Jesus says, pray for workers. And I think that's why prayer and reflection is important for the church. Um, These messages are important because it reminds people who are connected and disconnected hearing that it's important that we know that we're seen by -hmm. God and that we have a community that we can, you know, falter in, that we can belong to that mm. we already have a community and it's important to remind people that there are people that are not recognized and that are not seen to let them know that their part in the community is really important mm. you know yeah so yes if you ask me why i went to see starbath that's what i was thinking like I just couldn't bear the thought, like, if I don't go talk to her, another year might go pass by. Yeah. And then what would happen? Right. People fade all the time. So I honestly partially went for myself because I was like, I need to kind of like get this done. Yeah. Like, it's on my mind constantly. And... I had to live out my conviction. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like how convictions are gracious. Yeah. But also it has a way of fading into the abyss mm. of life or the busyness of life. If you don't pay attention to it enough, it just kind of becomes, you know, forgotten. Mm. So I did. I think there was a part of me I don't want to forget to do it. And the Holy Spirit loves her so much, like... Spirit was nagging me. So that's kind of how it happened. Mm. And usually why most things happen. You know, like other examples would be like, I would get an urge to speak to someone, but I'll have these thoughts of like, oh, come on, don't be so serious now. Mm. You know, keep it light. Like, and then, but I'll ask myself like, well, okay, why would I speak to this person? What is it? What's really happening here? And then I'll just kind of count the cost of, I'll kind of like assess both trajectories. Mm -hmm. 
And I'll just risk it. I'll be like, hey, so I was just like wondering about this. And then I'll say, Holy Spirit, just like lead me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, the, and ultimately, Lord, lead me so that ultimately, whether I may be in the wrong or it's not accepted, ultimately, they feel that they are loved by you. Mm. So it's a win-win, you know. Right. And I would say 90% of the time, it was a very um, important conversation. Mm. So, and that's not just for me. It's how the body of Christ is wired, how God designed it, and how he portioned gifts to different parts so that it would function Mm. to connect people. And it could be as little as just saying to people that I don't know well yet, Mm. You know, I think we had a bunch of um, people from Singapore come, right, as international students in the last few years. And I remember at one of our gatherings, I just, from sincerely, I said, I just, we want to have this gathering to let you know that you are seen and that you are loved by God in a city that feels so lonely, surrounded mm. by people. And, you know, it could sound cliche. I mean, it, but it wasn't. Yeah. I remember one of the girls... Um, was um, kind of just going around and starting a conversation saying, you know, when you say that you see us, we feel seen by, we believe what you say. Mm. We felt connected and we feel like this is our community. I was surprised by that because sometimes we want to do something so well and so comprehensively we get so caught up in the project of it mm. that we forget that we are already representation yeah. of Christ, the body of Christ, you know? Mm. So I think if we could have a different approach and maybe kind of not consider ourselves so seriously in the moment, but see beyond and see the need of the person mm-hmm. where they might be. Um, we'll be despite the fears we feel and the fear of failure. I think we could step out, and I think um, I think it would um, do a lot of good. Yeah, you know. It'll help us grow in the mm. area of reaching out, and it'll, it'll help people be dis, um, for who are disconnected be connected. Mm. So, what did I do for my toe that was ripped? I washed it. I recognize it. I said, "Thank you, toe. I forgot you were there. <laughs> I really had. I did. Thank you, toe. I forgot you were there. You are in pain. Wow, that cut really dripped blood everywhere. Wow. Um, you matter. And then, um." Um, I put Neosporin on it mm-hmm. so it doesn't get hurt and I put a band-aid on it so it will heal. Now. Your toe is affirmed and Yeah. Loved. I loved my toe. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> we need to do that. <laughs> but it was such a great reminder for me. Huh. I have a lot to think about. You know, because like, Again, it's so easy to forget that the harvest is out there. And, you know, I think sometimes we just like like to sit inside while we know that there's other people working on the harvest and like reaping. Um, but we're all called to. We're, we all got to contribute in some way. You know what I mean? If this is like, if we really care about the harvest, like 
why are we not contributing to it? It's like the thought that crosses my mind. Yeah. I guess also like why you're going into psychology. Why mm. you're pre-med student studying psychology to be a psychiatrist, right? Mm. Because you know the need is there. Yeah. And you know that you can do good. So I think a lot of times we are able to kind of calculate the, um, I don't know, the need and the factors in the career world. But we often forget the harvest yeah. that is unseen. So, yeah. It's the work we could do now. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I pray, as Sam said, that the Holy Spirit will remind you and I, um, those listening, um, names and faces and remind you of people that perhaps out of fear and inconvenience, you may have wanted to forget, but desperate that, but they desperately need to be connected again. And it would mean the world and a trajectory of a future for them, hmm. of you know, livelihood, live, liveliness, a fullness of Christ. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would make those things clear throughout the week and that the interruption of the Spirit would um, not just encourage, but spur us on to mm-hmm. action. So let's work on the harvest together. Amen. Yeah. So the ministry time was very powerful. It was a reminder of not just what, we what we think of the people that need to come home but it is about the young and old um about people close and far Mm. um so if you could tune into that it'd be great it would be um such a great reminder and of time of um, praying together in the spirit and worshiping together for that goal Mm. um and really thanking god for that by mercy that we can even be in this place of recognizing and realizing what God is saying to us, you know? So yeah, that's all that I have to Mm. say today. I don't Well, Thank you so much for this reminder, Pastor Lydia. I think we have a lot of thinking to do and a lot of work to do for this harvest. So, um, that's my big takeaway. There's like a lot of, there's a lot more we can do now. So let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Have a great week. Bye, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Will you lift your hands with the Lord with me? And I want to pray right now that God shows you those who've been forgotten. And in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to preach about how we can join God, restore refugees and immigration and other, those in poverty and all that. This week, we're, we're, we're focusing on the arena of friends and family in our networks of connections that have been forgotten that need the Lord and need a touch from the Lord. I pray the Spirit of God will show you now those faces this week and how you can reach out, how you can remember them and change their life forever. And we can see that God is moving like a, like a mighty river through the nation. When young and old Turn to Jesus. Will you pray for them right now? Will you pray? join me in praying for those that God's putting in your heart?
Father, we want to pray for those who've been forgotten, that are lost right now, and we want to remember them because you see them and understand their story. Will you help them find their way back to you? So, Father, today we come before you. Lord, we can see in our community, God, that you are moving. For so many young people right now that are faithful to God's call in this city. For those of you who've given so sacrificially to the mission of Jesus that's making and changing eternity, changing lives as right now as we speak. For those of you who give up your time, serve, carry heavy equipment in and out, who meet friends, who are building things for God's glory. You're joining God, move, you're, you're helping him to change the world. For those of you who are not, who are out of that mission, who are out of that desire, will you join God today? Rescue those who've been forgotten? Will you join us, create life, and create more life change, to compound that change, for many to meet Jesus, for many to return to Jesus and to heal this world both personally and socially fight for justice for those who've been forgotten in the margins in the shadows you know the deepest part of my heart right now with all the tumultuous things happening in Christian witness in our country I want to show this city and the world that there's a Christian community that's like Jesus. I pray that we can become that community. We could try our best to represent him so we could show off Jesus, who he really is, and show people Jesus they never knew. So they can meet him too. And many of you right now are doing that in a powerful way. There's a seeker that came to our church and, and joined one of our small groups and said, I am just in awe of Jesus' vision of community. Who does this? intentionally give your time to people in this lonely city. And I was like, wow. All of you who are making that time to create that space for others, you don't even know you're blessing people in a very powerful way. I want to affirm you in what you're doing. Join the Father what he's doing in healing the city. We are bowed heads for the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, amen. God bless you. Go in peace.
Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 5397-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv. 